Welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast, where we're joined by your hosts, Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. In each episode, we'll be sharing valuable insights and tips to help you turn your NDIS business into a profitable venture. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, you've come to the right place. Let's stop surviving and start thriving. G'day everyone and welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast. My name is Paul and I'm here today with Tanya, of course. And today we're talking all about streamlining processes for operational efficiencies in your business. And you know what? Tanya is the best person to talk about this. So Tanya, why don't you give us a bit of your background and what you do? Yeah, so I really love streamlining processes, and I think it's probably why I love quality and compliance because it allows you to do that. But for me, really streamlining processes is about scaling your business and helping you to systemize things so that you can save time and you can do more. Really, it's as simple as that. So um, in every business that I've had, I've really focused on how do I streamline processes I guess the, the best example of that is probably Provider Plus where we were able to do 150 mm-hmm. registrations in a month by having really great optimised wow. technology and a really large offshore team that could fill the blanks. Um, and that really allows you to scale processes and to grow a lot quicker because you're reducing really the manual labour and the manual administrative burden. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about how we can streamline processes. And I guess, what does that look for NDIS providers? Um, and my higher level offering of, of our services called on your team, where I become part of an NDIS provider's business for 12 months. And this is the kind of work that I really love doing with them. It's sitting down and mm-hmm. having a look at, let's look at your processes from start to finish. Where do, you, where do you intake a participant? What's that process look like? What systems are you using to automate that or speed up that process or even, you know, document yeah. that so you can, you can staff in it? And what does that process look like all the way to exiting a, a participant um, and who's involved in the process? And once we know the life cycle, I call it, or the journey, you can then break down and have a look at where the pain points are and where can you insert technology or offshore teams or resources to really um, make any roadblocks, or overcome any roadblocks. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I guess what well, I'm going to absolutely grill you today on making sure that we find out exactly what these systems should look like, where we put them in and where they fit into different businesses. Because some of our listeners might be, you know, just starting out and going, what systems would I even need? All the way up to providers who have, you know, multi-state locations who really need to lean on their processes. So I'd love to know what are some of the common challenges you find that providers face when it comes to streamlining the processes in their business? It's really knowing where to begin and what needs streamlining. Everyone knows what the problem is, but I think it's it takes really high-level oversight of your business to be able to look at it as just a process. And so when you're in the business, doing the business every day, you don't have the time or the, the high-level overview to be able to look back at the process. And so it's really carving out that time to work on your business and not in your business, which is, you know, so common. Yeah. Of all of these things we talk about, it's it's that being a bus- working on, not in, being that business owner, not that business you know doer. 
Um, and that's probably the number one challenge. So where I like to start is by running a workshop and we run a workshop, whether it's an hour or three hours or a day long workshop and we get everyone important in the room. We turn off our mobile phones. We stop focusing on the doing of the work and we focus on what do we want this journey to look like? Um, I use a yeah. wonderful tool called Lucid Charts and I have a, a, a million examples of Lucid Charts, one for every client that we sit there and we think visually because I'm a very visual learner. If I'm on site, we'll use whiteboards or post-it notes and we'll really map out what is the process. And by doing that, we're removing those hurdles of time and focus and you've got someone outside of you as the business owner leading people through it. And I think sometimes having an outside perspective um, really gives it uh, a little bit more weight and s- someone else's eyes on it means that you're not stuck in the detail. You can look at it zoom back and look at high level and zoom into the detail. I guess the benefit I have is also from the auditing perspective is then being able to say, right, if we're going to really adapt your intake process, sure, we could take it from a 15-page document to a one-page document, but is it still going to comply with the requirements? And so that's where my auditor hat becomes really helpful to then having a look at, you know, okay, let's look at a risk assessment. Risk assessments might be taking two hours per participant, you know, we could just remove half the questions, but is that going to be compliant? Is that actually going to still be fit for purpose? Yeah, right. um, being able to wear multiple hats from operations to compliance really makes that process run smoothly. Um, and it's really fun for me. I really think it's, it's fun. Um, there's another company that, uh, that I've heard about, I haven't used who actually mind map using post-it notes and you sit there and post-it note your whole journey through start to finish. And by post-it noting it, you post-it note different things in different colors and you take photos of it and you map out every process in your business that way. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I I really love that idea of the visual and the colorful ideas. And so that's why for me, Lucid Chart is another way to bring colorful kind of post-it notes digitally as well. Um, So, yeah, I think the biggest challenge would be time, focus, and, and really knowing where to start. Um, and if I was to give solutions to that, where to start is the, the, the beginning. And so for me, I always start with the participant intake process. So, you know, what is your marketing funnel? Um, where are you advertising? How do those leads get captured into your business? Once they're captured, what's the process? Who, who calls them? Who, yeah, you know, cool. is there a sequence around call back? Um, what does that look like? And then you just talk it through. Okay. Once you've got that lead, and they're, they're now uh, a qualified lead, what then is the process? What forms do they get sent out first? What comes back? How does that process look? And once you've mapped out the current process, we then sit back and say, okay, where are the pain points? The pain points are, you know, usually at the very beginning bit, okay, we get a lot of calls, but they don't progress. Okay, well, how? what's our, our capture sequence? Do we SMS them? Do we email them? Do we call them? What's that process look like? Um, and then, you know, the next pain point usually comes of too much paperwork, um, too many, too many forms at intake, too many forms at each stage in the process. So then we try to make that really much easier by breaking it down and creating a checklist for each point so that you can keep on top of the many documents that each role might need to capture at any point in time. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, looking at those, you know, just that one idea of client intake and understanding what that looks like. You know, everyone says, oh, yeah, so I I get a phone call, we talk to them, we book a meet and greet, and then we have all the paperwork. Um, But when you break it down like that, you can really see that there is actually a lot involved in that. And there's a lot of possible downtime. There's a 
a lot of possible uh, areas where you could lose someone on that track. Um, have you got any like examples of how you've seen someone implement this and seen a, a, a big turnaround in, in how they're operating? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I guess the, the best example is probably my own businesses, but of course in, in my clients as well. Um, we're currently doing a piece in, in Strawberry Solutions, my e-learning business around processes. Um, we use a, mm-hmm. a project management tool called ClickUp. We manage multi-million dollar projects. And we've just done this bit of work around let's streamline our sales and marketing funnels into HubSpot, building all of those processes out. And we've gone from needing three salespeople to only needing one to do the same amount of work because we've been able to build out a whole automation sequence. Um, and we've actually yeah, increased right. our engagement because we're getting to them sooner. So I guess that's a good example from sales. Um, for delivery side of things, Provider Plus is a great example. I, I built out a, a technology system called Podio um, and built out all of the sequences. And so what used to be a two- or a three-hour process for uh, doing a registration and, and posting out documents, we could automate that with a multiple of systems and bring that down to 20 to, to 25 minutes. So just the efficiencies in how many you can get through in a day. Um, for providers, I have a, a client um, who has uh, 19 sill homes and we've spent a really long time looking at templates and documents. So we mapped out their whole process and we figured out that on average they I think they call them care coordinators who are like case managers, the care, the case managers were spending about six hours for every participant on intake and a 12-month review with the paperwork. Um, and most of that time was in support plans and risk assessments. So what we did was we yeah. processed we mapped out what that looked like and we figured out that most of their clients feel it fit into three categories. So we called them something like very complex, complex and low needs. And we built out multiple templates for each of those. So what's a support plan look like for a low needs client, a, a complex and a very complex client. Um, and then in within those, we had other templates. So what's a complex client with asthma? What's a complex client with peak feeding? What's a complex client with um, mm-hmm. behavior support plans, restrictive practices, and we built out multiple. I think we came up with about 50 templates and we built all of those templates into a system so that now when the care the care coordinator wants to go and do one, they're not starting from scratch. They have a library to go from and they go, right, they're a complex client with that need and then they've got this comprehensive com- uh, document that has all of the things that you could possibly want in it and then they're just removing the oh, yeah. things that aren't relevant. So by removing the items, it's saving you a lot more time than having to think about it. And it, it still needs contextualizing. It's not completed. But the, the hardest thing for most people in writing something like a support plan is knowing where to start. And so we've already got example sentences and they can just customize that for that participant rather than starting from scratch. And that, that has taken down from six hours a person to about an hour and a half. Um, and we still thought that an hour and a half was a bit too long. So what we did then was we used offshore team to come in and do that initial, okay, I've got all of the details on the client. I know if they're low, medium or high. I know they've got asthma and anaphylaxis and a behavior support plan. I know that they take these medications. The offshore team then went in and got that information and put it in the right template and gave it to the care manager. And that got it down to about... 45 minutes per participant of the care manager's time by having the offshore team at $10 an hour review it first and pull all those documents together. 
Um, so that's probably the best example from a care plan perspective of going from six hours to 45 minutes. And if you look at the dollar cost oh, yeah. of that, it, it's pretty massive. Yeah, that would be a massive saving over a 12-month period between all the team, all those extra hours that are being supported across all those houses. That's brilliant. Yeah, and, and it wasn't actually to save money. It was actually to utilise the time of the care coordinators better oh, yeah. so they can spend less time on paperwork and more time connecting with the participant and supporting the participant. Actually, yes. So there was no jobs lost. It was the care coordinators are hating the paperwork. How do we actually yes. keep them happy? by removing the paperwork and get them back doing the work they want to be doing. That's it, because you don't want to be paying people for the stuff they hate doing and the stuff they're not good at doing. If they're, if they're employed to actually look after people, let's make sure they're doing that. You mentioned a couple of different systems there and, and technology. Um, how can the technology and automation be better leveraged in the NDIS sector? Because, you know, we've talked about, like, for instance, we had uh, Rashad on talking about, you know, the the systems that you use, and we, we even spoke about like offshore as well, but specifically with technology and automation, um, what are some things that providers should be looking into at the moment? Yeah, look, there's so many technology systems to use. I don't think that there's a magic bullet system out there that does everything you need, although, look, our, our friends from, from Bremer would probably say it's a Microsoft product and our friends from Nightingale would probably say it's their product. Um, I don't think there's a magic bullet, but really what it's about is using the most of the systems that you have already. Um, so from a, you know, AI, all systems, uh, most technology systems are being enhanced with AI capabilities and things like chatbots mm -hmm. and other ways of communicating. Um, and there's this huge rise of technology happening every moment. Um, and so I think it's really about touching base with the systems you're already using and asking them what has come out recently that you could leverage. Um, and most of the, yeah. the CCMSs or the, the systems that providers already have, whether it be Brevity, Shift Care, all of those different systems, all of them have started to play in the automation space. So by automation, if I break that down so it doesn't sound big and scary, what I mean by an automation <laughs> is something like, when I'm sending out an intake form rather than it being an email with a PDF or a, a Word document or rather than a hard copy, maybe I can set up in my system so when I move the participant from prospect to participant or client in the system, they automatically get a welcome email. And so you set up the templates within these systems of, hi, welcome to, welcome to Tanya's care agency. Here's your, you know, your intake handbook, your participant handbook, here's a copy of a service agreement, here's a complaints information document, all of those things that are stock standard for every participant, you can automate those to go out using all of these systems. Um, you could also... Um, you could also have things like set things up on your website so that you're directing people to source documents so that you can embed them within the email rather than attaching them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... I think the autumn, it is about looking at what does your systems you already have do rather than adding to your tech stack. Um, and then having a look at what the gaps are. So doing a bit of a gap analysis from what do you want to do to where you are. Um, and people like Bremer do a really good job at looking at your tech stack and helping you work that out. Um, in, in my e-learning business, I do this with RTOs. I work out what does their tax tech stack look like? What student management system will integrate with their, their, um, uh, their learner management system, what will that look like as a whole tech stack? Um, I don't do it 
personally in the NGIS space, but there's, there is people like Techability who are an Adelaide based company that do things like this and people like Bremer who can really help you to have a look at what is your tech stack and what are the capabilities. And once you know that, you, you, you can go back and say, okay, I'm going to automate the intake process as much as possible. I'm going to automate the staff, the staff, uh, recruitment process. I'm going to automate when a reminder goes out to my staff to upgrade their first aid and CPR or give me their, their new, um, worker screening ID number when it expires. All of those things that is manual work. You could have a whole team of people doing that, or you could just have a really smart system that's on the ball that sends out notifications and gives you a way to track that these ongoing pieces are, are, are maintained. Yeah. I think you really touched on something really important there as well. Like, having uh, some of those things around compliance systemized so that you can remain compliant because if you don't have the right information as it's renewed, that can be a real problem. Um, how do you think that NDIS providers can ensure their compliance with the guidelines and regulations but also streamline their processes? Um, and any specific yeah. frameworks that you didn't yeah. would keep there? Yeah, I think... I, I think it's important to look at data, um, data breach policies first and foremost around how mm-hmm. are you using this system? There's the information stored and how easily are you hackable? Um, I recently uh, spoke at a conference in Melbourne called EduGrowth that was about education providers. Um, and we had, you know, IBM and Google and all these amazing people speak. And the big thing that came out of that conference for me was just how prone small businesses are to hacking. Um, and the, mm-hmm. the lady from IBM was saying that, um, currently the hardest password that's possible to do, um, takes 38 years to crack. Um, but with these new quantum computers they're building, that'll be 15 seconds. So if you think yep. about that, you think about the biggest risk in using these technology systems for automation is how are you storing this data and how is it protected? And I would mm-hmm. be asking my systems around that and I would be doing backups myself, but also having really clear processes in place for data protection. Um, and look, I don't think the Andreas Commission is across this as much yet, but it'll only take the hack of one large Andreas provider for this to become front yeah. and centre, for the, these protection pieces to really be a lot bigger. Um, so yeah, that would be well. that would be the challenge that I think um, as far as streamlining and regulations, what do you need to be considering? It is really around privacy. If you're storing participants' information or staff information, how long are you storing it for and how are you deleting it and getting rid of it? What password protections or multi-factor authentications do you have in place? If you're having offshore staff, you need to also make sure you've got really strong data breach processes in place for that and that you're monitoring it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And then staff information. I, I saw recently that Fair Work came out and said that it's not okay for um, for any employers to store vaccination certificates anymore because of um, the highly personal sensitive information that that holds. And so if you do have those, you need to be deleting those and have a process around how are you citing them and storing that information that you have cited it without potentially holding that on file for audit. What's your process around that and how do you develop that to reduce your risk of both staff and participant highly sensitive information? Yeah, there's a lot of things for providers to obviously keep in mind there about the information they're dealing with, not just for their staff, but also with their participants. 
Um, and I think, yeah, having a really d- clear data protection strategy is going to be, um, something that's going to probably come to the forefront over the next little while in the NDIS because it's probably been lacking for some time, I think, at the moment. Um, looking ahead, do you see any sort of emerging trends and technologies that providers could, could leverage, uh, to be able to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to being efficient and implementing these systems in their business? Um, I think the emerging trends is really AI. It's really around how do you use um, AI in your business, whether it is, like I said, creating templates and using AI to help you streamline those templates. Um, and then automations in general, how are you leveraging systems to get good automation? Um, moving towards a completely paperless system, um, it's kind of, you know, I, I've spent many years helping education providers digitally transform is the wordings that we use. Um, and it's, it, it kind of, you know, I run, I've run completely paperless offices for many, many years. Um, and it's kind of surprising to me how many providers are still paper-based. Um, and just the, the inefficiencies that having a completely paper-based office creates from, you know, protecting it from fire and scanning and, and archiving and the costs associated to that. Um, and yeah, the, how, how can you move online? Things like digital signatures don't seem to be common yet. Um, we're still emailing mm. out PDFs and expecting somebody with disability to be able to print, fill it out, scan it back in and email it back to you. Um, you know, having things like DocuSign that has fields that they can type in, um, having forms on your website that doesn't require download and upload, you know, all of those really simple digital you know, digital yeah. accessibility things. And actually talking about digital accessibility, that's probably a really big trend. Um, I recently interviewed mm. uh, a wonderful person that does work around digital accessibility and just how disabling technology can be for people with disability if we're not meeting the WCAG standards. Um, and they're, they're the nationwide or actually the worldwide standards for digital accessibility on websites. But even in things like your service agreements, if you're emailing them, making sure that you've got, you know, certain fields are being met so that they're easy to be read by a screen reader Um, and other technology for, you know, that's for vision impaired. But even simple things like handbooks and and website pages being accessible for things like colour contrast. Um, And that doesn't, that's not just, you know, I think it's more important with people with disability because we're working with people, you know, disability providers are working with people with disability who will have issues but just the general population as well whether it is just people as they age the color contrast on websites all of those things don't seem to yet be stock standard for disability providers and i think like it really really should be yeah i mean i'd love to see you know providers at the forefront of of moving ahead with this accessibility um because it's going to set a new pathway for people to be able to just simplify their processes, have a really good uh, look at their business, how things should be operating, how to make it really easy for participants to get the information that they need and to do what they need with your business. Um, look, I've got some really good points from here. And just for our listeners, there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. And, and really simply, one, start at the beginning, right? Don't try and like move the mountain straight away. Just look at the first thing that you need to do Maybe it's onboarding and what that process should look like, documenting your current um, projects, um, but also leveraging in the soft le- leveraging the software and the team that you already have. Um, 
and then looking for the gaps in, in your, in your business and the things that could be uh, improved, uh, whether it's through automation or using, you know, using a system more that you've currently got. Um, and even the idea of making sure that you are accessible online as well, which, um, you know, I think it might have been Narelle you were talking with around that had a great conversation with her a little while ago about being, you know, accessible online and how your, how he will see your business. Uh, Tanya, that was really, really good information. And I love the way that you see systems and how it improves businesses and compliance. Look, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Oh, um, so a shameless plug. Um, so yeah, yeah. so if, if someone wants some help with streamlining their processes, um, feel free to jump onto my website, tanyagomez.com.au. You can book straight into my diary. Um, I must say that actually about 50% of all of my leads these days are coming from the podcast. So it seems like there are some people listening to us, Paul, um, and are interested to, oh, yeah. to reach out. So I always, yeah. I always love chatting to, to people who have listened to the podcast because they automatically get me. They understand. Um, and it's kind of yep. like, you know, talking to my tribe in, in some ways. So yeah, look, the, the website's the best way to reach out. Um, and yeah, book in for a free 15 minute consult and we can talk about where you're at and what you need help with. Um, I guess I also wanted to say that this isn't just for registered providers, that the growing number of unregistered yeah. providers that I work with is large and, Unregistered providers might not care so much about the compliance implications, uh, but if they're planning on going to audit at some point, it's good to get those things in place too. But most unregistered yeah. providers are growing quite quickly, so they do need to make sure that their systems and processes are in place. Um, and I've just released an ebook, which is a guide for unregistered providers and the NJIS. It should be on my website at download soon so if there are unregistered providers listening that want to streamline so that they can grow and scale uh, or just you know aren't sure where to get started with systems as an unregistered provider i've written a guide on that that you can um download for free off my website also brilliant that's fantastic good timing everyone talking about systems and everything like that she's got a download available on her site almost almost ready Almost fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, um, that's it for this week, guys. But Tanya, could you let us know what's happening uh, on our next episode? Yeah. So next time we are speaking to the wonderful Warren Harmer. He is one of my favorites, Dr. Warren Harmer from the business plan uh, company. And he is talking to us all about NGOS business models. So he's going to break down what that looks like. I'm really excited to talk to Warren because he's just so insightful and has, um, you know, solely works with NGOS providers around business planning, forecasting, and looking at business models. Um, and really excited to share his information with everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one. And I'm really excited to see what they're doing because I think it's a real need people understand how they're developing their business, where they're heading, and what the model is that they're um, going to use as it's really the vehicle that's going to get them where they want to go. That's brilliant. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Tanya, thank you for getting us that information and making it really clear and simple to follow. And guys, keep listening. You can listen to us on all your favorite platforms and check us out next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. We hope you found today's episode informative and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating, and share it with others who could benefit from our insights. Until next time, keep thriving.